name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. When I was in Bible school, people probably thought, man, he's real spiritual. He went to Bible school. Uh, he must have really heard from God to go there. But really what it, what it was, I, I went to, a, uh, to visit the college when I was about 13 years old. And I got there. A student of the college was showing me around. And we went into the courtyard. And in the courtyard, I looked up and they had this massive bell tower. And in that tower, it's in the name, it had a bell, a massive bell. Uh, and I, I looked at that student and I said, man, I need to ring that bell. <laughs> and uh, he, said, he said, man, nobody rings that bell. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's a major offense to the college to ring the bell. Uh, and at 13 years old, I looked around and I said, well... I, I think God's calling me here. This, this is my calling in life, and I have found it. And by the time that I was 18, I was enrolled in this great institution, and before the very first semester was even over, I had convinced 10 other freshmen that we needed to ring that bell. And we rang the bell after curfew one night, and the police were called, firemen showed up, uh, they were called by the surrounding neighborhoods in that area. It was so loud. I didn't expect it to be, to be that loud. And the fire department rolls up, and the next morning we all had $100 fines on our doors. <laughs> but I learned something that night, Brother Starks, that there is something in us that is designed to ring the bell. It may be against the rules of society. It may be against the rules and laws of men. It may be against all formalities, but the bell must be rang. For Martin Luther King Jr., or Dr. King as some call him, he was killed for the alarm that he sounded for the civil rights movement. Joan of Arc died for a bell that she rang. The message that she believed in at 19 years old martyred in the name of her country, William Tyndale. A reformer stood against the Catholic Church martyred because he refused to be silent. The apostles, James, Andrew, and Peter all having died for a message that they believed in. The apostle Paul having been left for dead, uh, stoned and left for dead the first time. And he refused to stop preaching so he was beheaded because these men, had a message that needed to be heard. They had something that others needed to hear. They had a message that they said it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter the consequences. It doesn't matter the outcome. It must be said and it is my message and it needs to be heard. Amen. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, He says, Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words will never pass away. And he's giving them assurance that even after he leaves, that uh, he will still be here. He's giving them hope that even after he is gone, that he's, when he's ascended into heaven, that, that his word will remain. He's telling them, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Even after I'm gone, my word is still going to be here. Nothing anyone ever does.
does, will get rid of my message. And it is a message that is tried and true. It is a message that has been tested in the fire. A message that the greatest authors in the world could not fabricate. A message that entire countries have tried to get rid of, burned Bibles, persecuted preachers. A message that's been hung up on a cross, stabbed, beaten, bruised, nailed to a tree, blood dripped, tears stained, naked, wounded, and executed. And it is a message that we have to preach. It is a message that we have to teach. And it is a message that has been designed to be spread to the uttermost parts of the world. And it is our job to alarm people of the lion that is lurking in the streets. Amen. Ezekiel. Bible says he's supposed to be a priest. But his life takes a turn when everybody in his life, in the nation, walks away from God. They tear down altars. They desecrate the prayer rooms. They serve idols. Uh, They preach from their own imaginations, the Bible says. But none of it is from God. And he becomes a prophet when the Lord calls him. He sees the glory of God. And it was at this moment that he would embark on a new journey into his purpose and calling. And many people in this situation might have said, Why me, God? Many people would have walked away. Many people did walk away. Many would have said, God, where are you in this season? Are you still faithful to your people? God, where's your goodness now? Where are you in my season of sorrow, in my season of disappointment? Where is your faithfulness in my frustration? Where is your help in my time of need? Where are you, God? That is not what Ezekiel does. No, instead he picks up the call of God. And he begins to uh, walk towards his purpose in God. And he went to the mountains and he would preach to the rocks. He went to the trees and he would preach to the bark because nobody was listening. He would go to the rivers and he would preach to the water. And he would walk into the valley and he would preach to things that had died in this valley. And God would set him in the middle of this valley. The valley, the Bible calls it the valley of the dead. And we are given a scene that looks like a post-apocalyptic world. Bones scattered all across throughout this valley. A valley filled with people's bones. And I've heard people ask the question, how did those bones get there? How did those bones get to the valley? And I'm not some profound preacher with these amazing thoughts. But if you look at, at their day, the temple was simply set up on a mountain far above the city. And as people left the temple, they found themselves in the valley. I know, not that profound. But I believe that those bones were there as a direct result of the nation leaving the house of the Lord, people who'd laid down the truth for a lie, people who'd walked away from the call of God, a place where they went and stayed because they did not listen to the watchmen, a place where they went because they had forsaken God, not because God had forsaken them, a place they went to die. And Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he asked me, can these bones live? And I understand.
understand that sometimes it is difficult to hear from the Lord. Sometimes hearing what thus saith the Lord is a difficult task and it would be easier if he spoke to us out of a whirlwind like he did for Job or out of a bush like he did for Moses or out of the mouth of a donkey like he did for the prophet Balaam or out of a light like he did for the apostle Paul or maybe he could sometimes give us some sign like the dove that he gave John the Baptist or the holes in his hands that he showed Thomas or the well that he pointed to for the Samaritan woman and said if you drink from this you'll thirst again but if you drink from my well you will never thirst again because he is the well that never runs dry but if he never speaks to me with a writing on the wall as he did for Daniel if he never speaks to you or me with his finger on a tablet like he did for Moses if he never speaks to us like he, through a dream like he did for Joseph I, I've come on this Sunday night to tell you that your preacher is enough Amen. Your preacher is enough. The watchman on the wall is enough for your soul. When the preacher gets up and he begins to sound the alarm for your life, it may be the only voice of God that you get. And I thank God for every man or woman that stood up when the people were on the brink of perishing. Men who stood up and said, no, hold on. That's not the path that you need to go down. That's not the direction that you need to walk. I thank God that he sent a watchman when I couldn't hear and I was beyond reaching and he sent someone to a valley that I was in to say this is the way come on get out of the street it takes someone who is not afraid of adversity to speak the message that God has given it takes someone who will stand unashamed and say hey this is the way there's a lion in the street and you better get out it takes someone that will stand for truth when nobody else is willing to stand because if you will the Bible says you will live again you will come out of the valley and Ezekiel would watch bone come to bone joint come to joint flesh come up over tendon and the nation would turn back to the Lord because one man was unashamed to stand for righteousness we got to thank God for the preacher thank God that he sent some We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But somebody that would say, hey, this is the way. This is the way. Amen. Amen. I was a student in high school. I'll throw it back just a few years here. We had an athletics, uh, and I wore, I played basketball. But I tried to cover up underneath my uniform. I wore an undershirt with sleeves. Sometimes it felt like they came down to my fingertips. <laughs> but I had, I had two sleeves. People talked. They, they asked questions about my faith. Why was I doing this? But I remember, I, I, I didn't care, first of all, but I, I had long socks on that came up. And compression pants, before compression pants were cool. Now it seems like just about any athletics that you watch... That they're, that they're wearing them now. Hey, I started that. I'm trending, guys. But I, I can remember people telling me things like, you've got to be practice. You be at practice on Sunday if you want to play on Friday. Our basketball program explodes. It was amazing. We had 24 exchange students come from overseas my junior year. Nike, Nike, just do it. 
sponsors our school. Athletes wore Nike merchandise for free. Coach from Kansas State, SEC's program, comes, and he, he's our coach. And I, I was at this little school of about 150 high schoolers. Still to this day, I don't know why that program exploded the way that it did, why it became so good, but we became ranked in Arkansas. Coaches from other high schools started knowing my name. I can remember I was standing in line at a tournament, and a man touches me on the shoulder. I turn around. I said, yes, sir, I'd never seen this man in my life. He said, are you Tate Burkhalter? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I'm the coach at Benton High. He said, I'd like you to come play for my school. 7A school. I was at a 2A school. I thought, man, this guy, he knows my name. I'm something. Started going to my head a little bit. I'm just being honest. Uh, call a God of my life. A coach comes to me and he says, the team's going to start playing on Sundays now. And I said, okay, coach, I'm ready. I, I was the sixth man on on our uh, travel ball team, I was three man on our prep team. I was I was the number one guy on the local team. We had three different teams, and I'm just a junior. And I can remember, big old guy, seven foot two, walks into our gym one day. Joe Klein, NBA champ, two time back and uh, played for Boston in between the '60s and '70s, and he was scouting our squad. I remember thinking, man, I'm something now. I've made it. <laughs> There comes a moment in your life when you come to a crossroads of what is your calling from God and what is your calling from the valley. And the valley has a pull, and it's called gravity. The valley is easier to get to than the presence of God. The valley is drawing you in, but there comes a moment in your life when no longer are you just a student in high school with opportunities to do something or just an employee at your job, but all of a sudden your opportunities begin to become a reality and you have to choose the house of the Lord or the valley that is in front of you. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy of your soul will do whatever it takes to get you to walk away from truth and he will present you with a valley that seems beautiful. The valley could be your ticket out of here. But here's the truth. And I've come to tell you this tonight. Here's the truth. That the valley is filled with the bones of saints who refuse to hear the word of God and they've been devoured by the lion. I've come to tell you tonight. Get out of the street. Stay out of the street. Do whatever you can do because there is a lion in the street and he is roaring and he is seeking whom he may devour. Oh, I thank God for the preacher that would say, hey, get out of the street. Don't you go down this pathway. Don't you walk this way. Get out of the street. Stay out of the street. There's a lion in the street. Amen. And God tells Ezekiel, he says, my people, are more wicked than any other generation that's ever lived. He said more wicked than the generations of Daniel, more wicked than the generation of Job, and more wicked than the generation of Noah. And sometimes I wonder if, we're in a, if we are living in a generation like Ezekiel's. I wonder that because we can identify what made those generations wicked and compare them to our own generation. 
We can see people who've turned away from God in both generations. We can see people who've left the altars behind. Hey, I've come to tell you, get out of the street. It's disturbing to see how many people are okay with profanity as long as it's on their social media or a Hollywood production when the identifying factor that the Apostle Peter did not know Jesus was when he uses profanity. Get out of the street. It's disturbing to see how many people are okay with movies and TV shows that portray affairs and incestual relationships and homosexuality and we wonder why our nation frowns upon a church when its members have embraced the storyline for entertainment hey I've come to tell you you gotta get out of the street is this alright tonight can I just preach truth for a moment can I just preach like I'd preach at home I wonder what would happen if we take a piece of paper and we'd write down the ten commandments and turn on our favorite TV series and crossed off one of the Ten Commandments every time that it was broken or is it only relevant when your pastor's around or is it only relevant when you're at church or is it only relevant when it's your time to be on the platform but let me add this to you tonight that if you wouldn't do it in the church building then maybe we ought not do it at all because God has called us to be the church and if we lined our generations up beside Ezekiel's we would see people who never see the prayer room people who still give encouraging words but God has nothing to do with them I don't know about you but I'm about sick and tired of turning on the TV and seeing a televangelist come over uh, and he's got a prosperity gospel message or a topical sermon we would see people who are immoral people who've given themselves to perversions people who are idolatrous who spend over 40 hours a week on social media and Netflix and we wonder why we come to church and we can't feel the presence of God and when the average saint today spends 10 hours a month in the church hey I've come to tell you get out of the street get out of the street people who lie people who cheat people who steal people who we like to pretend we're better than because our gossip doesn't send us into drug overdose like their addiction does hey get out of the street get out of the street just because you carry your sin in a Gucci bag or a coach purse or on an iPhone does not mean that you are right with God. Let me sum it up for you. Just because nobody can see your sin on the outside doesn't mean that God can't see what's on the inside. I've come to tell you tonight, get out of the street. Get out of the street. Come on. There's an adversary and he's roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. I've come to tell you, it's not, a, it's not, it's not to support a political affiliation. It is not a left or right, but it is up or down. Hear me. It is heaven or hell. It is black or white. There is no in-between place. It is the word of God. And that is why we must stand and unapologetically preach the word of the Lord. Hey, not because we're infallible, not because we're perfect, but because we know who is. There's a lion in the street. Get out of the street. There's a lion in the street. Get out of the street. Amen. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for the preacher. Amen. Musicians, we get ready as I come to a close. We see Ezekiel being led by a man. The man brought back to the entrance to the temple. 
He said, I saw water coming out from underneath the threshold of the temple out from the altar. He then brought me out through the side and led me around to the outside, to the outer gate. The water was trickling down from the altar. And as the man went out in front of the temple, he took a measuring line. He measured off 1,500 feet, led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet. And he took my hand and led me out to the water that came up to my knees. He measured off another 1,500 feet, led me through the water that came up to my waist. And each time God is asking Ezekiel, he says, have you ever seen this before? I want you to keep in mind, this is Ezekiel, a man that has seen the likeness of the glory of God. And God is asking him, have you ever seen anything like this? And that is because you can see Jesus and not know who Jesus is. He measured off 1,500 more feet. Now the river was so wide that no man could cross. A river that nobody, it was so powerful, the force flowed so that nobody could cross it. And it flowed down the steps of that temple, streamed into the city. And the Lord tells Ezekiel, he said, wherever this water goes, creatures will live. The Dead Sea will live. People will come back from the dead. They will be healed in that valley. But it only works if there is a connection to the altar. So I go to my pastor the age of 17 years old. I said, Pastor, they want to put me on a team that travels the country. He said, oh, that sounds good. I said, yes, sir. They want me to miss church on Sundays sometimes, and I, I tried to cushion the blow of what I was about to say next. For the Starks, I said, ball season is only so long. It's just from November to February, Pastor. I won't have to miss all the time. And before I could finish even saying those words, standing at that altar, he interrupted me and he said, Hold on. Then you can't do it. He said, That's your decision, young man. He said, But you you can't go down that road. And he turned and he walks away. And I remember being filled with emotions. Tears began to stream down my face. And I said, God... Does that mean that I have to sacrifice everything that I've ever worked for? And I can remember the voice of the Lord coming back to me and says, No, I've already done that. I've already paid it all. Thank God for the preacher. I didn't come to make friends with your problems tonight. I came here to stand on the road as a priest, Ezekiel would have, and say, there's only one path that you can go down. There's only one way that you can get to heaven, and, and that is not the direction for your soul. You have a call of God on your life. You have an anointing. So I ask you tonight, how much of God do you want? Do you want God for just a moment? You want God for just maybe a rally? You want God for a camp meeting? You want God for a season? See, I've heard people get up at camp, get up at altar service, get up at one of these rallies. Evangelist comes through town. They say, God, 
I want the anointing on my life. I want you to touch my life, but I have watched God say yes. That's a prayer that I've been looking for. I've seen God push the crowds aside to get to that one person and say, yeah, I'm going to leave the 99 and I'm going to find the one who's prayed that. That's a prayer that I've been searching for. That's something that I've been looking for. I've seen God push people aside for the desperate prayers that say, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't make it without you. And I have seen God run to that person and as he gets there, he says, I'm going to rebuild this temple. I'm going to start at the altar. Oh, I, I'm going to rebuild the prayer room. I'm going to rebuild the sanctuary that they haven't been to in a very long time. I'm going to restore their hearts so that the preacher can connect to their soul only for God to get there and be cut off. And I've seen people willingly go to the valley of dry bones and stop the relationship with God. I have seen them say, well, I'm fine right here. I worship when I want to worship, but their bones don't move anymore. They don't ever worship in church anymore. They say, well, I felt fine last Sunday. So I'm, I felt the Spirit, so I must be fine tonight. I, I can still feel His presence, so I must be okay. See, they say they're anointed. They still come up with a good message. They say they're fine, but they only go to the prayer room when it's their time to be on the platform. They say, I'll go to the altar when it's up to me, when it's my choice. See, they say they're apostolic, but their friends don't know they're apostolic. They say they're apostolic, but their, their, their professors don't know that they're apostolic. Their social media choices don't know that they're anointed. Their youth group doesn't know that they're anointed. Their pastor doesn't know that they're anointed. God doesn't know that they're anointed. But if you have a relationship with God, your friends are going to know it. Your co-workers are going to know it. Your loved ones are going to know it. Your church is going to know it. The sick are going to know it know it. You're, the poor are going to know it. The rich are going to know it. The youth group is going to know it. Everything in your life is going to know it. Amen. Say it with me. Would you just be sensitive right now to the Holy Ghost? Lord, we love you tonight. I remember I was home for Bible school. First year back, COVID hit. We had this family that was incredibly faithful. I was standing at the altar. A lady in our church been coming for years with her son. She brings her son to me and says, Brother Tate, I want you to mentor my son. She said, you turned out so fine. And I want him to be godly. Okay. I didn't really know what to do with this information. So I started back toward my office. I thought, I'm going to go get him a book. There's a book he needs to read. Must have been the Holy Ghost come over me. I look back at that young, that young man and his mom. I looked her right in the eyes. I said, you want him to be anointed? She said, yeah, I, I want him more than anything. We just come out of revival. She said, of course, I want, to be, I want him to be anointed. 
I said, okay. Then let's get him to every prayer meeting that we have. Let's get him to every Sunday school service that we have. Let's get him to every worship service. Let's bring him up for, for prayer at the altar. Let's get him to every rally in exchange for Friday night football. Let's crouch up pennies out of couch cushions so that we can send him to youth retreats. Let's get him to NAYC all four weeks of camp. Let's get him to work three weeks of those camps to teach him the value of, of what church means, of what servitude means, and then let's get him to senior camp, and then let's show up and make sure that he's sitting with the right friends, and, and that he hasn't congregated with the knuckleheads, and then let's grab his hand sometimes and take off running around the church building, and then let's take him up to the front when it's time to pray. I said, you want him to be anointed? This is what it's going to look like. You want to be anointed? You got to be faithful, a faithful member of the church. And she never came back. I want you to know, I want to know on this Sunday night, what kind of anointing do you want? What kind of relationship with God do you want? Because Jesus is showing the prophet Ezekiel, if you'll just keep this, this stream alive, if you'll just keep the connection to the altar alive, you're going to have healings in your life. Your city is going to see revival. Your family is going to see revival. Oh, but I've come as a watchman for you tonight to stand in your way and say, get out of the street. Get to the prayer room. Get to the altar. Come on, get to the church. Keep the connection alive. Keep the anointing alive. Even when it doesn't feel right. Even when it's not easy. Oh, get out of the street. Because there's a lion there looking to devour you. Amen. I open these altars tonight. Come on, get out of the street. God's coming soon. I want you to be sensitive right now. Come on, don't die in the valley. Speak life to the situation. You're going to make it. Come on, you can do it. You're going to make it out. 